Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Welcome to Off the Post. I'm Russ Cohen. We've got Anthony Mangione. And how are you? Doing good, Russell. I know you're doing well right now. <laughs> I'm doing well. There was a happy recap with the uh, Mets Philly game, absolutely. And Michael Jello. Mike, how are you? I'm fine, and I'm a member of the Pekka Rene fan club. Huh. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, I don't know because I left the baseball game. I don't know. Is the hockey game a final yet? The no. Tampa, no, it's not. Tampa's actually just scored again. It is now four to two. Andres Pollitt, uh, Andres Pollitt with the goal. Okay. So the game is not yet final. I would anticipate, you know, Tampa pr- might be able to get one more here before the end. If they, if they, if they, if they can come back and from a four nothing deficit like this, then uh, it's going to be serious trouble for the Cats getting any other opportunities. Yeah, this, I think this, it's yeah. serious. They're, ra- they're rallying. They're rallying under the leadership of Louis Domingue. Well, you know what? So far, this is a good night for me because I was the only one on our great panel to pick the Capitals. Well, you'll, 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 be the only, you'll be the only one wrong at the end of the series, but okay. Okay. All right. So, speaking of wrong, let's talk about the Nashville series because I thought I would see. One of the good games, and I did actually, Mike, when we talked about it in the afternoon, say that, you know, I thought we might get a good game out of Pekka because we knew he had a lot of bad ones, but he had some really great ones. And he just didn't show up. Like, that first goal was just like, all right, this doesn't look good. And then when the second one went in, I don't want to say that instantly lost the game for Nashville, but it definitely changed the mental mood of it, I felt. Yeah, I mean, it's just watching that play, especially the first two. It was just like a second goal, and 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 you had the goalie change. All I could think to myself was I started having flashbacks of of Sergei Bobrovsky getting pulled uh, yeah. by Peter Laviolette yeah. uh, years back, and it was. But again, I I think it would have gotten the three or three or four nothing at that point uh, in terms of. Uh, in terms of that, uh, with, with, with that situation, it was just not a good one. And Soros wasn't really able to stop much more of the bleeding either. So, well, I'll I'll just say this, and I, I said this on the on the Buzzcast today. And Russ, you're well aware of what of what my uh, my point of attack was. Pekka Rene cost Nashville that series. Now, I that's maybe a little bit oversimplistic, but and he played great in Winnipeg. But when you go one and three at home, and yeah. you get pulled, you get pulled three times. It's inexcusable, and I'm sorry, especially from a goaltender who you know maybe the salary doesn't mean anything. But when a, when you're being paid one of the top, I think three or four salaries of goaltenders in the NHL, and and you choke like that on home ice, you deserve all the uh, all the negativity that I could throw at them. And 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 really, uh, and and Saros, I mean Russ. Y- that that goal, it was a nice goal to make it three to one. The uh, the the uh, Wheeler to Shifley play, the one timer. But 
what you've said along for a long time, the, the, the slight build of Saros yeah. was exposed there because he left half the net open. Now, if it was Rene, maybe he has a chance to make that save, but, you know, they, they, do, they may have a goaltending problem going forward. No, they do, because I don't even think Saros can win a big game. I know he did great in the regular season and did win a little in the playoffs here, but when push comes to shove, like last year, when they threw him in the cup, he couldn't do it. Now they threw him in game seven, he couldn't do it. And we're not asking him to win the game, we're just asking him, hey, you know, keep it 2 nothing until your team could come back and at least tie it, and he couldn't do it. So, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, and as well, on, on the line with us as well right now is um, I certainly want to get his thoughts on this as well. Is uh, is Tony Androkaitis from Inside AHL Hockey, who's going to be talking with us very shortly about the uh, the Lehigh Valley Phantoms' historic win over the uh, Charlotte uh, Charlotte Checkers. Uh, Tony, how are you? Good. Uh, still trying to catch up on sleep, but I think I'll I'll get there before <laughs> before the end of the week and I'll get back to normal. What were your thoughts uh, in terms of uh, what's going on so far with the with the West Final? Did you had a chance to uh, to check it out, or were you uh, <laughs> pretty much wiped out from that long trip? Yeah, I actually, I haven't seen any NHL hockey this week, to be honest. Unfortunately. Gotcha. Yeah, I can All right. understand that. All right, well, let's lead into let's let's get into uh, what you were you know awake for, which we were we were awake for a very long time, obviously. <laughs> On uh, Wednesday night into Thursday, uh, quite a uh, remarkable hockey game down at the Bojangles Coliseum uh, in in Charlotte. Uh, North in in Charlotte. Uh, I mean, in terms of just watching the game and just w- watching the time just kind of bleed on by, and you watch the shot totals, and it was like a macro version of what you and I certainly saw, and Russ, uh, we, well, certainly you and I saw when. Um, uh, when Alex Lyon in the clinching game against the Providence Bruins just basically just put up a wall uh, in that and just would basically willed the uh, the Phantoms to win in that series. This was uh-huh. like on a whole nother plane what you saw uh, on uh, on Wednesday I was night. There. I just back. left early, in. You could say that's fine. No, I know it's okay. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean uh, it was it was incredible, uh, especially I mean this. The first overtime, it was pretty even. Um, the shots were pretty close, but it, the second overtime, I think the shots were like fourteen to five. Uh, the third overtime was twelve to one. Like the Phantoms <laughs> literally were hemmed in, and just it, it's remarkable. This, I'm pretty sure the third overtime was the the overtime period they had ba- almost back to back power plays, and when they didn't score on those, and then TJ Brennan took a penalty. I think it was like four minutes left in that overtime. I thought that was that was where it was going to end because there was just you know too much going against them at that point. They already had the momentum of you know killing off two uh, power plays in overtime, and you know for them to get their chance, I, I thought that was where it was going to end. Unfortunately, I guess fortunately for the fandoms, and unfortunately for everyone who wanted to go home, it went another probably hour or so after that as well. But um, yeah, like you said. You know, Alex Lyon really just, you know, wouldn't budge, willing his team, you know, to a victory. And, you know, Alex Krusinski, uh, you know, got the job done in the fifth overtime. That's free. Um, Go ahead. Yeah, and the other, in terms of just, in, in terms of Lyon, and you know, obviously, can't speak obviously enough of him with regards to the performance that he had uh, in that game. In your mind, I mean, considering he did get some NA, some NHL experience this season, 
in your mind, he's making a serious, uh, he, he's making obviously a serious statement uh, through going into the summer, into the fall to potentially make a stake for, uh, to push for an NHL job. Oh, absolutely. Um, just, I mean, everything about him, uh, you know, screams that he knows what he needs to do. He's, he understands the business aspects of everything. He knows, you know, where he is right now and, and knows that, you know, it's going to take, you know, what what it's going to take to, you know, get him over the hump. And, um, yeah, I mean, he's certainly doing literally everything he can to, to put himself in a good position. And he's a kid, and he's probably more durable at this point than than Michael Neuvers. I mean, he's not, you know, a young sword. He's at 24, something like that. So it's a, it's a good age. Tony, let me rewind things just a little bit because back in the day, pre-internet, my website, sportsology.com, covered the game in Albany where Michael Layton made uh, 98 saves. And the interesting thing about that one was the only way I was getting updates on that from my writer was he just kept emailing me. It's first <laughs> overtime. It's second overtime. And I was trying to go to sleep. Like, I wanted – he goes, you can't go to sleep. you got to post this. And I'm like, oh, God. And I thought I had to stay awake. <laughs> and it was, like, it was like the telegraph, at least for this one. We were able to follow via social media, and I saw the picture of uh, Alex Lyon at the end, and I, I appreciated the fact that he could still sort of goof around, probably after you know he had to go straight to IV, and that does show his personality a bit. Yeah, I mean he he's I mean he's certainly a, a good character guy, um, you know, obviously very well liked and. I think that's, you know, really good for a goalie to, you know, to be, to have that kind of personality to where, you know, these guys are willing to grind it out for five overtimes and, you know, do everything they can to, to get the win. And I know uh, when I talked to Colin McDonald uh, after the game, he, you know, said something along the similar lines that, uh, you know, they were glad that they could get it done for Alex that, you know, he really deserved that win, obviously. And yeah, I mean, just it's an, an incredible performance and certainly one for the ages. And adding to that, you got Mike. I'm sorry, you first. You first, Mike. Okay, uh, Tony. The emotion and physical draining of an of an eight period game. I mean, now these two teams play again tomorrow, um, and I mean, I would think that Charlotte losing a you know fifth overtime would be pretty much out of this series. But I, I can't really say that when they you know outshot. Lehigh Valley by what forty four shots. So I mean, do they <laughs> do they do they have any energy left to come back in this series, or do you think it's a fait accompli that Lehigh Valley finishes them off? Um, it's a good question. Um, I know they won uh, the game before the five overtime game. They won five to one, but even that game, it, it there was large stretches where you know Charlotte played really well and uh, just you know couldn't get one in or couldn't get that you know, bounce to go their way. I, I think, you know, the series is 3-1, but I think it's a lot closer than, you know, the three games to one might, you know, you would might think from the outcomes. Um, I, mean, I mean, they've got a very good team. They, they probably have the best forward core of the remaining AHL playoff teams right now. Um, they're healthy. Um, I, I wouldn't count them out, but uh, I think just the, like you said, the, you know, emotional pull of of not coming up on the winning side after playing that long. Um, obviously very deflating, and it'll certainly be interesting to see, especially early on, uh, 
if if the Phantoms can get an early goal or something, how you know how the psyche will be uh, in that Charlotte locker room. And certainly the one thing that the Phantoms do have to have some concern with is that now not only are they out down Travis Sanheim for the obviously for the remainder of the series, but obviously Sam Moran, who was replacing him in the lineup as well uh, from a man-to-man perspective, is now also going to be gone. And all likely it looks like based on the injury probably for the remainder of the postseason. Um, so they're going to go in, I assume, then the next game with James DeHaas. I know he was skating as the seventh uh, defense. And um, I know they really rode um, Phil, Phil Myers, I think it was 66 minutes, which was just, I mean, just Yikes. when I saw the numbers, it was just a ludicrous uh, ice time. So is that, that's one area of obvious concern there is, is, uh, from a defensive standpoint, right, Tony? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's tough enough to lose, you know, one one guy from a six-man unit in the postseason, especially Travis, obviously, the, you know, the top guy in that, that rotation. And then, you know, Sam working so hard all season to try to overcome some of these injuries and, and to see him go down, that's, you know, obviously very frustrating. I can, can't even imagine. Uh, I mean, I saw him after the game, and you could just tell how, you know, dejected and, you know, just you could see the frustration. Uh, you know, just from his demeanor, it's 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 unfortunate. Um, but yeah, like you said, I guess James Ahas was the has been the seventh skater, uh, seventh defenseman in warmups. That's it's possible. Uh, he would get in. I'm I'm kind of curious um, myself what why, what the deal is with Will O'Neill. Um, I know he's healthy. Yeah. Not really sure why he, he hasn't been playing. Um, he's a guy that's. I think he was an AHL All-Star maybe two years ago. He had mm-hmm. uh, a 48-point season followed by a 50-point season before he came to the Phantoms. And, uh, you know, 27, I think it's, yeah, 27 AHL playoff games of experience. Uh, so kind of kind of curious what the situation is there. Um, because even during, you know, the regular season with the veteran problem, he was, you know, being the veteran scratch. And then Matt Reed went up and there wasn't a veteran problem and he was still being scratched. So I'm, I'm not sure what exactly is going on there. It's kind of surprising that, that you know a guy with that resume is you know not playing. So um, maybe he, maybe he gets in or maybe uh, DeHaas gets in, but definitely concerns um, you know depth-wise on defense, especially against a talented forward core like Charlotte has. Well, Tony, one one, one thing: the um, if if Lehigh does get it done tomorrow, they will have a week break before uh, they would start the uh, Eastern Conference Final because uh, the schedule came out for the uh, Marlies, who I cover along with the Leafs, and uh, games one and two are scheduled for next Saturday and Sunday afternoon. So, I mean, they would say they would get themselves a, a sizable amount of rest if they, if they can finish off Charlotte tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, I know that's that's their goal. Obviously, is to to finish this off as quickly as possible. Um, I'm not sure what Travis Sandheim's situation is. If he would be able to return next round, or kind of, I don't know, if concerned is the right word, or curious why they only you know ruled him out for this series and not the rest of the postseason. I mean, that that read between the lines, that would have to you know at least make me believe that they think there's a chance he could return at some point this season. Um, but yeah, definitely the rest. And then you have Phil Veroni, who's you know been out since Game Three of the first round. That's um, you know on his way back. Uh, could could potentially play Saturday, but if not, I would imagine he'll be ready for next weekend. So yeah, definitely from a getting healthy and 
and sort of resting up. I know there's a lot of guys banged up uh, with, you know, minor things, of course, that come with the playoff run. So they'll definitely welcome uh, the rest if they can get it. Tony, my last question for you is, give us an idea. I've noticed a um, a nice little change in uh, in Martel's play. A little bit better in his own end. Maybe the call-up did some nice things for him. I saw he had a goal in the uh, in the last games, having a pretty good run here. What's what's been the change for him, and and do you think this is something that'll carry into next year for him? I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't hear who you said. Oh, when you first... Martel. Oh, Danik. Uh, Danik Martel. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously he has the the size factor going against him um, at against bigger competition. Um, I, I'm not really sure what the future holds for him. I mean, he's definitely a dominant AHL player. He's, his speed is, you know, immediately noticed, you know, his first shift each game. I'm sure fans that are unaware of him just, you know, look back and say, wow, like, he's really fast. Like, his speed really stands out. And, um, you know, if sometimes, you know, the smaller guys aren't as physical or, or don't go to the hard areas. And I think he's a guy that really does, you know, do that very well. And, and he's sort of, I want to say like a pest, but he's sort of feisty and, and gets under your skin. And um, I mean, he's definitely, I think, on the cusp. If he, you know, can get an extended chance and, and sort of, you know, get an extended look and, and sort of, you know, work his way, he might be able to, you know, push for an NHL spot. On, um, I mean, it's hard to tell. I know he's playing very well right now. Obviously, um, it, it'll be very interesting to see, especially as this playoff run continues. If he could. You know, continue. Obviously, the Flyers management is watching this very closely, so it's almost like an audition, a pre-audition, if you will. Tony, last question yeah, for me. Yeah, yeah t- Tony, one last question for me. Um, one of the other factors, of course, in this series uh, was the fact uh, a player that that's probably going to be on the Flyers' radar coming into camp is Nicholas Albe Cabell. Now, obviously, he's uh, tagged for his third uh, suspension this season. Um, in terms of Obey Cabell's overall, beyond the obvious concern, obviously, with the suspensions and everything, um, in your mind, though, do you feel that overall his game is ready to take the next step uh, to being a potential NHL uh, in, in the NHL next season? Um, I think he's another guy that's, you know, right there on the cusp. Um, the the second half of the season sort of been interesting. Um I don't want to say he's changed his game, but it, it seems like he's playing a little bit differently. Maybe he was told he needs to be more physical, but even earlier in the season, you know, he was, you know, hitting everything that moves really tenacious on the full check. And so I'm not really sure what the, why the change in his game has occurred over, you know, the last two months or so here, but definitely a guy that, you know, is strong, can handle the, you know, the, the physical play and, you know, someone that can, you know, play a two way game. He's, when he first came, you know, to the AHL, there was they had to, you know, put a lot of work in with his play away from the puck and positioning and and all that kind of stuff. And he's really, you know, taken a hold of it and run with it. And I think that's the biggest difference in his game is just how you notice him more away from the puck. Whereas earlier in his, you know, AHL days, you would only notice him if he was making an offensive play because he was almost non-existent away from the puck. Mm-hmm. All right, well, listen, Tony, thanks for coming on. Everybody should uh, check out InsideTheAHL.com and at Tony Androck on 
on Twitter. We appreciate you shortening the letters on that. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, for pronunciation and and space, of course. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks, Tony. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Thank you. Right, so we go back. Well, we we sort of go back to the NHL, but Mike, we um, you mentioned the Marlies, mm. and the uh, the Marlies general manager got a uh, got a bump up in salary today. How's that go? Um, yeah, bump up in salary and a five year contract, uh, according to the reports. Uh, Kyle Dubis, the new general manager of the Maple Leafs. Um, I mean, it's this was like the worst kept secret, but of course. <laughs> For for a week and a half, you know, the speculation ran rampant because, you know, it was like, okay, are, why are they waiting? Why didn't they announce it the the next day after Lou announced it, you know, or after Brendan Shanahan announced that Lou wasn't going to be back? You know, what's the wait? What's going on? And it was just simply, you know, they were, I, I you know, it could have been they had to talk to the board of MLS and E and just get the get the go ahead, and uh, you know, definitely. Um, you know, Brendan Shanahan indicated that he talked to Mark Hunter uh, over the weekend uh, or during the early early this week and said that they were probably going to go with Kyle and then confirmed it before you know they made the announcement this morning. And how do you feel? And how do you feel that talk went? Well, I mean, that, that, and that's the thing. It's like it, Kyle Dubas and Brendan Shanahan were very careful with their wording regarding Mark Hunter. You know, he was obviously given a lot of credit with the, uh, you know, the, the scouting aspect of the uh, of the organization. But one of the things, uh, you know, when when asked whether you know they would bring in somebody uh, like as an assistant general manager to essentially replace Kyle Dubas in 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 the management structure, you know, he he said, you know, it would totally be dependent on what happens with everybody within the organization. And one of the first people he's talking about is Mark Hunter because Mark Hunter was a candidate. He didn't get the job. And, you know, he I, he has aspirations to be an NHL general manager. But if you look at the landscape right now, Don Waddell took the spot in Carolina. The rumor is Paul Fenton is going to be the GM uh, in Minnesota. There are no GM spots. So it's either Mark Not Hunter, today. Not today. Not today, and may and maybe that maybe there'll be something opening up, but right now, as it stands, there are no GM spots open, and that leaves Mark Hunter with you know two options: either resigning and going back to manage the London Knights, or staying in the current position until something opens up, which could be next year or during the year. But he wasn't at the press conference, was he? He was not at the press conference, neither was Lou Lamorella, although Kyle Dubas said that he had been in contact with Lou for like multiple text messages and conversations over the last 48 hours. But ironically, mere hours after the press conference and Dubas making his rounds on Toronto radio, um, a report from John Shannon comes out saying that Lou Lamorello uh, has, is in discussions with the New York Islanders. So, you know. Yeah, and so what's your thoughts? My thought is, I mean, this is as Mike said, this is not exact. This wasn't like uh, a shocking moment. Uh, it's just again, we were all sort of waiting and wondering when they were going to make the announcement. And um, I think Dubis at this point right now, he's he, he's he has served his apprenticeship. Um, the biggest thing, and again, that was that he needed to, I think, most importantly, learn from Lou in terms of a prob, you know. 
lot, you know, contact. I mean, nobody's going to probably have more contacts throughout the league uh, than Lou Lamarillo is going to in terms of learning how to interact and, uh, with fellow general managers, mm-hmm. player development, everything else. And again, his track record speaks for itself in terms of the success the Marlies have had. I think uh, he's done an excellent job. And I, I, and I credit um, earlier today, I thought um, our friend Patrick Williams, who obviously appears a lot on hockey, who's appeared on Hockey Prospect Radio with you and Shane mm-hmm. Malloy, Greg gave some great insights uh, today on uh, on Twitter as well as in his article about you know why he thinks that Gudis. I mean, not Gudis. I'm losing my mind here. Dubis. I need caffeine. Apparently, awful. I'm still feeling the effects of the 5 OT game the other night. That'd be so Kyle, great. Kyle, <laughs> Kyle Gudis and Radko Dubis. Gudis. Name a name a defenseman that Kyle Dubis will never acquire. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but again, um, getting back to what Patrick said, he really about how he really understands the big picture now. And again, it's a matter uh-huh. of now putting everything to practice. And again, I think it's going to be fascinating to see, uh, you know, if he really is the if he really is going to be the boy wonder up there. Well, I think he I think he'll do a good job. But what he's up against is, you know, Mark Hunter possibly leaving with with some other scouts possibly leaving. So then. And that would be after the draft, and you'd have to hire some new people. And then also being able to make deals in an NHL environment without really knowing a lot of those guys and not really having dealt with a lot of those guys. It, it's not the easiest landscape to sort of break into. You you can go look at Chica and and see that he hasn't made a tremendous amount of deals, whether that's on him or he hasn't been able to pull them off, whichever. And then you know, Mike actually talked about Chuck Fletcher's name coming up as maybe like a guy who comes in there and and offers just like as a sounding board. And then I reminded Mike that at the uh, Minnesota draft, uh, I was there when Brent Burns got traded. And actually, I was I was doing a show on the concourse next to Upper Deck, and Brent Burns was due to sign with Upper Deck. You know, when, before the draft started, and then you know, first day of the draft, he gets traded, and then his credit burns showed up and said goodbye to the fans so Mike and I did a little you know forensic work on that trade and and so basically the San Jose Sharks got Brent Burns and a pick which turned out to be Matt Nieto and and that was for Charlie Coyle and Devin Setaguchi Setaguchi yeah. and a first thanks so you know not a good trade by Chuck Fletcher there well and 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 the way I said and by the way, Chuck Fletcher is not he's not the only name that's been sort of like bandied about. There's been some talk about Ron Francis, and I I, I mean the thing is I I think that more than anything, and I and Russ used the term sounding board. I also think it's you know Chuck Fletcher does have contacts in the league, and if that's like one he does. Sh- shortcoming uh, in terms of you know Dubis being new on the block. I mean you know this this is it's a lot of this is being done by committee. I mean. Dubis is going to be in, in command, but you know it's also going to be the input of of Shanahan and Hunter if he remains. And if Hunter remains, then they probably won't add an assistant GM. But I'm expecting him eventually to leave. So um, you know, I think a guy like Fletcher or a guy like Francis would be brought in to just basically be uh, you know somebody who is aware of the landscape of you know management in the NHL to to help a guy who you know is, has had some experience but can always use 
something more uh, to help him. And if Lou goes to the Islanders, then, you know, they're not going to be able to use him as an advisor. So, um, you know, that, that it would make it even more necessary for them to bring in some support for, for Dubas. And I think the most interesting part of this whole thing will be the interaction between Brendan Shanahan, Kyle Dubas, and Mike Babcock. I think Kyle Dubas is going to have his hands full now with Mike Babcock. I think Babcock was sort of being kept at arm's length by Lou Lamarillo because he knows how to do that. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be a much harder job for Kyle Dubas to do that. And not only that, but Joe's had to deal with the rather delicate relationship that seems to have propped up here between Babcock and uh, and Austin Matthews to boot. I mean, you have a lot of different uh, a lot of different uh, eggs that are being juggled that this that the, that Dubas is going to have to juggle here in terms of personalities. Um, it's again, as as you stated, it's it's Toronto. This is about as high pressure a situation as you could possibly imagine in in pro sports in terms of management here. So. It's going to be fascinating, certainly, um, to see how how he's going to handle a personality like Babcock going forward. But again, he's been around now at this point to know, or at least he should have some uh, somewhat of a grasp at this point with, within the organization as an AGM. Sure, um, but there's insulation. You know, there was even insulation from I'm Shanahan. I'm sure there is, but at the same time, you can't have anymore. that much insulation. At the same time, I can't see them making making have that much insulation that to the point where he doesn't know what he's dealing with with regards to uh, with regards to Mike. I oh, I think he I knows, think... but but Mike pointed out to me that Babcock really didn't have to deal with Kyle Dubas, really not at all. Okay. Yeah, I mean, and again, this is again we always have to deal with with uh, new bosses, and yeah. uh, and and again, unless he's making a unless unless Babcock wants to make a play for. <laughs> For man, for a management position, in addition to coach, we know well, how all that usually goes. I I have a feeling that the dynamic over the last three years with with Babcock and with with Lou was Babcock would go to Lou, and I'm I'm you know I'm usually I'm I'm obviously paraphrasing here, and I don't have any insight in the inner workings of right. of MLS and E because nobody does, not even the people who work there, but. Yeah, I, I assume that Babcock would go to Lou and say, okay, this is what I need, this is what I want. And he did that even within the media over the last few months before the trading deadline looking for a fourth-line center. And Lou would basically say, I'll take it under advisement and then give him what he thought he, you know, what he thought he needed, but maybe not the exact players that he needs. Mike Babcock's going to go to Kyle Dubas with a shopping list, and that's going to really be the, the test for Dubas to say, okay, I don't like the if, if there's like players on this list that he doesn't like, then you're you're having to handle the 800 pound gorilla because he's got five years left in the contract. He's Mike Babcock. He's making six million dollars a year. You can't fire him. So you know it, this is where Shanahan is going to have to yield his power as as president and alternate governor of of the uh, of the Maple Leafs and say, okay, Dubas is the boss. You know, there is going to be some working between everybody and some sharing of power and some everybody's opinion will be uh, will be taken into consideration. But in the end, the decision is going to have to be Dubas. Otherwise, he's a paper tiger. Exactly. And I would think at this point now that's 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 the way Shanahan's going to want this at this point now that, that you know, but again, he's going to they're going to have to handle that. It's 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 high level personalities in this case. But I'm sure Dubas at the same time, you know, you know he has his own ideas on what he's on, on what he's going to want 
but he understands that going into this get into this job, what's going to you know what that's going to entail. Again, I know as you said he was insulated, but can't be completely blind <laughs> to terms of no, uh, no, in terms no. of it. Now, one other thing we do want to discuss, guys, and we we talked about this as well uh, in terms of management, is the uh, Carolina Hurricanes earlier in the week and uh, the <laughs> can we get the can oh we get so the, shocking. Can, can we get the uh, hiring of Don Waddell as the general manager and president with Rob Brindamore and the sudden change in tone of one owner of the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, Tom Dundon, uh, seemed to change his tune quite a bit in terms of the strategic uh, elements of things. I wanted to get your well, guys' thoughts because, on that. Yeah, only because Ant originally he said he was going to shake things up and he's done the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. He's pretty much kept it all in house. All the assistants are going to still be there. Um, the goalie coach is still going to retain his job because, quote, he's won a Stanley Cup. Um, and I always say, just because you won a championship doesn't mean you should get to keep your job if that's the position that was maybe the worst on your team last year. But he that's the wonder. Now, what in terms of? I know the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, I just the word was the their. Um, Ian Clark has left his position as goaltending coach. Uh, yeah, for the Blue Jackets. Says, they already said we but they're keeping him. They're, keep, they're keeping. Yeah. They're keeping. Hmm. Yeah, that would have been for me. That would have been a logical move there. If right. They, you know, but you know, the other the, odd one, the other odd thing was, you know, when Brendan Moore was asked about bringing in someone else, he said, "Yeah, that may happen. We'll have I'll have to talk to Tom about that." Like. Really, that's never even come up. Like, so this is really an in-house thing that, if I was a fan, I'd be a little concerned about because, again, Brindamore didn't say anything in the press conference. All he said was, you know, if this team would have just played better or everybody played to their ability last year, we probably wouldn't be making any changes at all. But of course, we're going to make some. But he didn't say what kind of team they were going to be. He didn't say what they were going to do. He didn't say what they were going to change. All he said was he was going to hold them more accountable. Like that, it was such a bland press conference that still, two months later after Tom Dundon buys his team, I have no mm-hmm. idea what, what It also going to gave a little bit of insight in terms of, I know he sort of he, he made sure, Brenda Moore, to mention that, you know, not to denigrate Bill Peters, but at the same time, he has his own ideas that seem drastically different than what uh, – than than what his what his prior boss. Um, but he didn't he be. didn't outline any of them all, so we don't know what. No, they the are. only thing was he would refer to the fact of the two different types of coaches in the league: those who played and those who right. have those who haven't. In terms of and he and he said it in a respectful manner, obviously. In terms of that, it's very you know sort of the the, the Hitchcock mold versus yes. you know a former player in his circumstance. So. Yeah, it's very nebulous right now, I think, in Carolina. And But, again, none of us – the minute Rick Dudley was hired, we knew what was going to happen at that point. Mm-hmm. It would have been stunning if they went in any other direction other than Waddell. And like we said before, I mean, the, well, clearly, the, parameters, the, parameters, that Dundon, the parameters that Dundon put down – mm-hmm. nobody was going no, – no, no other manager person and, in the HL was going to deal with. And that's and that's the key here because I mean I, I said I think the the entry music for that press conference should have been the the theme song from the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus and because I mean that's this is a, it is a circus I mean they couldn't find anybody else to 
to take the job, so Waddell had to. No, take no, Waddell it. did leave the search, Mike. The search just led back. So, to yeah, him. so Waddell, so Waddell did a Dick Cheney, <laughs> is what he did. He t- he he was he was he did the vice vice presidential search in 2000, and he yes. chose himself. So yep. yeah, great. But but the reason is, is 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 because they put such tight parameters on the position. I mean, even Steve Greeley. You know, who his assistant GM with the Sabers didn't take it probably because he didn't wasn't being offered enough money, or wasn't yeah. being offered enough control. So it's like okay, so I mean, and we all have respect for Rick Dudley, so I think that was a good move. Yes. But you promoted from within at general manager. You promoted promoted from within at, at for your head coach. Where's your great change? So I'm assuming that the great change is going to be. Of the, you know, with the roster, and I mean, I believe that you know they have a boatload of defensive, young defensemen and defensive prospects that they should move one or two of them to to help them get some scoring, and maybe that's what they're going to do. But this this supposed great change and new thought process, where is it? Because you got a bunch of I mean, basically, you've maintained a status quo with an organization who's done nothing but miss the playoffs year after year. Good point. And my last point is, and I got to get out of here because I got to get out of this Wawa parking lot before the shift change. I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the the other thing is, so in regards to Tom Dunn, another thing that we learned is is that he's on the phone with Don Waddell a lot because he still lives in Dallas. But he's in Carolina every week. So my question to you is, and look, you're you're in the business world. I used to be in the business world. It's hard to be a hands-on guy when you're still going home, whether you're jetting home or not. And I just kind of wonder about how that's going to affect the team, too. Well, I can tell you that, uh, well, from, from another sport perspective, the 76ers sort of are dealing with that with their with their with their owners obviously in this circumstance. But again, that's a little bit more distance uh, to travel. Obviously, going from Carolina to Dallas in this case. Yeah. Again, he's going to. It's tough to say. Um, again, that may be another reason why they have a, why Waddell's got both positions in this case, and we could say a presidency is merely a ceremony. You know, is, is merely a ceremonial title. But in this circumstance, I think. He is going to be kind of running the show, at least certainly in year one, and trying and, and yeah. while Dundon sort of transitions uh, his focus. But uh, yeah, it's always something you have to take a look at if the owner is not there on the regular. No question. All right, we will uh, get into more in depth about the playoffs and the Vegas Golden Knights and and their plight and the Winnipeg Jets and their plight and everything else, and we'll do that next time. That's it for Off the Post. Uh, Let's play two. Take care, everybody. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.